northern lights, America seen through a Swedish lens, what to love and what to hate. This is Petra Glimokir-Sokolovsky. This is really hard. You see, I'm walking a fine line between being the whiny European and the proud new American citizen who's all enthusiastic. And what I'd like to be is the American who believes that you can speak up and make some noise if you want things to change. Well, the cynical European thinks that sounds a little corny. I can go back and forth like this for a long time. It's all about the fine line. But what I want to say is that I don't want to be your average whiny expat. I hate it as much as you do. You know, when Europeans complain about stupid stuff, like the 15-minute safety break at the public swimming pool here in Washington, D.C. Or the signs in the bathrooms about staff having to wash their hands. You have no idea how many Swedes have complained about that. But I do care about the big stuff, like healthcare, parental leave, and schools. That's what this episode is about. Because sometimes it really helps to look at how other societies have organized stuff like that. Stuff that some Americans aren't sure are working quite the way they should in their own country. So I'm thinking, why invent the wheel? Then you can look at Sweden. But I've got a surprise for you. Not everything is better in Sweden. Not even the things I thought were better, like the schools. And it was Jenny who changed my mind. Jenny was a teacher at the Swedish Saturday school my kids went to here in Washington, D.C. when they were smaller. Now they're 12 and 16 and don't study Swedish anymore. But they did a few years ago. And when school started after summer one year, Jenny was gone. Someone said she'd moved to Sweden with her daughters. Okay, that made sense. But then, a year later, she was back in the US. I wanted to know what happened. So I went to visit the Pew family at their home in Alexandria, Virginia. The kids walk in and out of the kitchen and Jenny's husband, Lonnie, is making lunch. There's a wonderful smell coming from the oven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We switch to English and it turns out Jenny had the same idea as I did about having kids in Sweden. In my mind, I remember the school system, how it was when I went to school. And I guess I had a kind of on a pedestal. Everything was better there. But I have changed my mind since then. What? But Jenny's reasoning sounds just like mine when she talks about what she wanted for her kids, especially for her youngest, who was four at the time. I wanted her to be a kid. That's basically it. To go to preschool there where it's not so much focused on the academics but more letting them be kids. They 
value how much they learn from playing on their own and being outside, getting dirty, climbing, even getting hurt a little bit. They learn from that. That's exactly why we put our oldest in a Swedish preschool when we lived in Madrid in Spain, where the kids were born. Because I had the same idea and it was amazing. Yeah. The playground and it they was. let them they let them do stuff. They had this this rope from a tree on a on a on a slope and the kids could, you know, grab these are two year olds. Yeah. They could grab the <laughs> rope and just swing down the slope and they would fall and nobody would get get upset and all that. That's right. They had, uh, the preschool where I work, they had um, a construction area for children. You're not going to believe it, but they had hammers and nails for the children to use. How old were they? <laughs> they were anything from one to five. <laughs> hilarious and obviously we would supervise them and the little kids we try to distract them and have them go somewhere else Jenny and her three daughters lived in Vimmerby a small town in southern Sweden where Jenny grew up and has her family Alice was four Olivia nine and Stephanie 16 Jenny's husband, Lonnie, was still in Virginia. They wanted to see how everything went first, before he moved as well. Perhaps a good thing they did. But in the beginning, everything was just great. I had looked for an apartment for a year and there was nothing available. We got there, a three-bedroom apartment just opened up. I applied for one job. She called me that afternoon. I got a job right away perfect hours, everything fell into place, so I just felt like it was a sign this was meant to be. And we met with their teachers before school started, and we met with the principals, and we were really impressed. They were very friendly, and my children had some amazing teachers. They really did. They had amazing teachers, and when we met them, I just felt like, oh, this is gonna be so good. It was summer, and being back in Sweden was like a fairy tale, especially because they were in Vimmerby. It's a great place to live when you have children. It really is. Vimmerby is where Astrid Lindgren was born, or Astrid Lindgren, as I would say, the woman who created Pippi Longstocking. There's a cute little theme park around her stories in town, and Jenny's parents lived right next to it. If they have the windows open in the summer, they hear every single theater and all the songs all day long. So they know them all by heart. <laughs> they live very close to there. Pippi is independent and strong, kind but disrespectful of authorities and rules when they don't make sense. You just wait and see, tra la 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 la, she's quite a girl. She's got a house, and in a funny house, a monkey and a horse, a suitcase full of golden coins. It turns out Pippi and Astrid Lindgren shaped the way Swedes see children today, which seems totally obvious when I think about it. We all grew up with Pippi, Emil and Madiken, or mischievous Meg, as you call her here. And these were all pretty adventurous and brave children. 
It's like the bureaucrats at the Department of Education had Pippi in mind when they wrote about how schools should respect children and give them space to grow, because children are resourceful by nature. And this is exactly what I missed at my kids' elementary school in the U.S. There, kids had to be protected from themselves, protected from everything potentially dangerous. As a Swede, I thought it was particularly cruel that they weren't allowed to go outside when it snowed. Which was different in Sweden. That's right. They had a big hill. And as you know, in Sweden, there's a lot of snow in the winter. So they went sledding. They ran into each other. They did get hurt, but they got to have fun. No one was seriously injured, but they're allowed to be kids and a little more adventurous than they're allowed to be here. They had swings on the playground, something you don't see here anymore. Most preschools, there are no swings. That's too dangerous. So they had swings, they had trees to climb, they had um, a fire pit. Uh, in the, are you in the kidding yard. me? No, and they um, get to roast, well, mostly hot dogs, but they did some cooking experiments outside with their teachers. And well, that was the preschool. A fire pit on the playground. But of course, and hammers and nails. It's not only dangerous. That's hard to use a nail and a hammer and they would get frustrated, but they learn to be patient and things are not always easy the first time you try it. Self-regulation, not to get angry every time, it's hard. So they learn a lot of things like that as well. Does it affect their self-confidence? I think so. I mean, they are very confident children. <laughs> they are. So they see that, yeah, it's hard, but they keep trying. Might get hurt, but they learn and they're so proud. And same thing, like I said, we had swings on the playground. And when I first started working, I said, do you want to push? And this little two-year-old <laughs> yelled at me like, no, I'm going to do it myself. Because they're more used to trying everything themselves, even things they are not able to do yet. And once they learn, they're more confident. I think so. And kids are allowed to do things on their own. I tell Jenny about when we used to visit friends in Sweden when the kids were smaller, like four and seven. And they were just like, yeah, the kids can go out. It's like, what? <laughs> Who's going with them? Yeah. I know the feeling. And perhaps Jenny and I are more American than we realize. Olivia was in second grade and it took me a while before I let her walk home to our apartment. But my sister, who lives in Sweden, thought that was ridiculous. She was in second grade and she should definitely walk to school by herself and walk home by herself. No issues there. And that's very different from here. Was it nice to have that freedom? Yeah. That's Olivia. Because then I could like sometimes walk with my friends, talk to them a little bit longer before I had to go home and visit my friends in the neighborhood. Uh, let's talk about recess. Yes. 
that's another thing I do love about Sweden and I still do. I haven't changed my mind on that. They have a lot, a lot more recess than we do here in school. They go outside no matter the weather and several times a day. The school days are also shorter for younger kids. I'm familiar with the school district here in Fairfax County and they don't have shorter days even for kindergartners. They have the same long days as they do in sixth grade. And I felt like that is one thing that I think is better in Sweden. Shorter days, more recess, more time outside, and children are better able, they're able to focus better after being outside, moving around, running, moving their bodies, and getting some fresh air. You probably sense that recess is a hard subject. It's because it's personal. My youngest son had a really hard time in elementary school here because he needed to run around more. He always got into trouble and pickup was pretty awful. His teacher would always say, Petra, can you stay for a second? We have to talk. And that's how I felt. Just imagine what my boy must have felt like. To make him feel better, I used to tell him about this Swedish educator I'd read about, who told kids that there are two kinds of people, farmers and hunters. Farmers are patient and diligent, work hard and wait for results. And then there are the hunters who see everything around them, who are always on the move. Both kinds of people are fine, just different. And my little one is a hunter. During those years, I was always afraid his teachers would want us to medicate him. Other parents certainly made it clear that I should. But I'm glad we didn't. Now he's in seventh grade and totally fine, getting good grades. And at least we don't hear about the trouble he makes. And after hearing Jenny's story, I'm happy we live in the U.S. now. And then, of course, we have the winter in Sweden. I remember we didn't see the sun for two and a half months. And it was so dark and so cold. And I just started thinking, oh, wow, this is what it was like. I had forgotten this part. <laughs> so much snow, so cold and so dark. So incredibly dark. I'm surprised it doesn't affect more people than it does. It's depressing. <laughs> Jenny also realized that school for her oldest daughter, Stephanie, wasn't at all what she'd expected. I just felt like she didn't learn anything that year. Really, Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever actually had a homework assignment, and it just felt like... We did so many other things as opposed to sitting down and taking notes. Like we would do like maybe some math worksheets and then for three history classes in a row, we would just watch a movie. And it didn't even always have to be like a historical movie. Like one time we watched an anime movie to learn about like Japanese spirituality and like the like things that they pray to in anime. That was what we watched. Stephanie was in ninth grade then. Yeah, and especially the math Stephanie took in ninth grade, she had learned here in sixth grade. So for her, 
it was a fun break because she didn't have to learn anything new but I wish there would have been an opportunity for her to choose a different math class but there isn't not in in that um, in ninth grade in tenth there is you can choose different math but you still keep everyone at the same level which I can see what is positive with it but for example with Stephanie it was boring for her she didn't learn anything and she basically just sat there for a year I think the reason it was that way is because since you choose like a major like a line of study in 10th grade they give you a much more standardized version of like our subjects like for example if you're major is going to be like in childcare. you don't really need to know everything about physics and chemistry so i feel like that was why things were a little less like intense was because like you know you would choose a major later on sweden has a system similar to the german with vocational training tracks we have theoretical tracks in science economics technology, languages, and then all kinds of practical ones too. Some of them are pretty outlandish to me. If you like horses, you can go to horse <laughs> horseback riding high school if you want to. If you play hockey, you can go to hockey high school, gaming. soccer, gaming, cooking. If you enjoy cooking, you can go to cooking high school. Yeah, I mean, they, here they say that the U.S. doesn't train uh, enough electricians, for example. I mean, in Sweden, you can actually study yeah. it. You become can do a- that in high school. You can study it and become an, a mechanic or an electrician if, you want, if that's what you want to do. Stephanie never got to go to high school in Sweden. What I find fascinating is that she was so far ahead in math. And weren't there other kids who were bored in the class? Yeah, there was definitely kids, both the ones that had an easy time and a hard time with the math, who either, you know, didn't want to do it because they didn't understand it or could get it done, you know, in half the time that everybody else would just kind of goof off and sit there. Like, kids would ask to go into a separate room to, quote-unquote, study and actually just, like, be on their phones and be talking and stuff and kind of, like, I mean, it's their time and I get that they had finished their work early, but it was definitely kids, like seeing that they had nothing more to do they couldn't keep going there was nothing else for them to you know study or to work on so a lot of kids just kind of felt like they were you know had this time to basically do anything because there was nothing else for us to learn this sounds terrible i don't recognize it at all from my education but i have heard that something has happened to the swedish school system Students' math scores are below average in international rankings nowadays, and results for reading comprehension and science have also dropped. Some blame it on the dismantling of the public school system. Sweden has school vouchers now, and for-profit schools with public funding. Others blame the results on immigration. A lot of kids in Swedish schools have parents who don't speak Swedish very well. But there's also this huge difference in how kids learn in Sweden. And that goes back to Pippi Longstocking. 
and the idea that children learn better if they're left to their own devices, just supported by teachers, with a lot of group projects. Homework is seen as bad, and so are grades. Swedish kids get their first report card when they're in sixth grade. And I've heard from friends that their kids are not even required to read books at home at night, like my kids were, all through elementary school. I'm starting to suspect that schools in Sweden are great for small kids, but terrible when the kids get older. I agree, they need to have more. They need to learn more. And they do that here. Jenny's Swedish adventure had come to an end. When we first came back, I remember feeling that I regretted that we had even done it because it was so hard for me to leave Sweden again. I was very sad for a long time, but now that some time has passed and I look at it differently. Olivia said to me the other day, I don't think I learned anything in Sweden that year, but I know that's not true. Maybe it was an academic, but she learned a lot. And I feel like that year in Sweden changed my children. It did. They are more, they're more patient. They are, well, they grew to be way more independent that year. They got to be close to my family. We're all closer now. They know their grandparents really, really well, and their aunt, uncle, <laughs> cousins. And they do know the difference and what, what's better, what's not better. And they have friends for life. So I don't regret it, but it was very hard to come back to. I feel really torn about this. I think students may get a better academic education in the U.S. if they go to a reasonably good school. Generally, there seems to be more possibilities for motivated students to excel in the U.S. But I think the Swedish model gives them something else, which may be just as valuable. That self-reliance, the self-esteem, and the feeling that there's nothing they can't do. This is Northern Lights. I'm Petra Glimoker-Sokolovskiy.